Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the biggest boss I've seen thus far, the spectacular himself, Joel Hillier. Joel! How are you? I'm good, thanks, Joe. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I was really looking forward to this episode, actually, because I enjoyed the Leeward Maurizio Lara fight so much, and it had so many talking points. Yeah, that I was, yeah, really. I was like, I can't wait to do this one today. So I'm, you know, I'm coffeeed off my nut. Good I'm well stuff. up for it, as I usually say. Though, how are you? How was your week? How was your weekend? <laughs> It was good. It was good. I've um, I've started a little health kick, man. Oh yeah, yeah. So it started Indulge with like me. a a what was it? A forty six hour fast, which oh, right. went from Sunday night through to Tuesday evening. Broke it around day dance. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And has it helped you much? It has. Yeah, I feel like uh, it sort of just kick kick started a new woman. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, mate. I feel I feel brand new, mate. Oh, I good. feel brand new. It's like a new dawn. The new me is hatched. Excellent. Mate. Good. Well, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> so you don't want to ask what I broke my fast with? Oh, what did you break? Oh, yes. I. Well, what did you break your fast with, Joel? A 28 egg omelette, mate. Ah, yes. Excellent joke, Joel. Thank you, mate. Thank you. I'm glad I'd, for, I didn't need to yeah. get you to set me up for that or anything, Joe. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of eggs jokes in this episode, so brace yourselves, It's going people. to be cracking. It's going to be great. Joe, how have you been anyway? How's your last I've, few days? Yeah, don't ask me about the last two hours, mate, but the last few days have been pretty good. <laughs> Actually, I did another fast, right? So from last night, I then fasted to tonight, and then I broke it. I was getting so confused late afternoon that I thought I'd better break the fast before I do the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, you know, don't starve yourself, mate, you know. I, I don't think it's going to cause me any damage. Yeah. <laughs> You've got plenty in reserve. If I, if I miss a meal or two, I think I'll be all right. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. Right, let's review the Leeward Maurizio Lara fight because what a fight it was. I mean, Joel, just off the bat, your thoughts. Well, when you can get um, two guys who can crack like this, yeah. then, you know, it, it, it creates so much excitement in the ring when they go out and they just went at it straight away. It was just one of those nights. We knew what it was going to be before it started, mm. that it would be a bit of a war. Yeah. Um, I think both of them actually in a weird way came out with a huge amount of credit. I yeah. thought the trainers came out with great credit. Yeah. I thought the whole thing, I thought actually it's just another good night for boxing like a couple of weeks back. So yeah, good. Yeah. What did you think? I I just, I loved the fight. I thought it was such a good fight. I thought... Uh, yeah, like you say, I'm really high on both fighters because Lee Wood, it, Lee Wood showed me maybe something that I possibly didn't or maybe underestimated in him, which was his boxing ability. I thought he was, after the second round, was just absolutely handing Lara. I really thought that he was possibly on the verge of stopping Lara really soon yep. because I thought he was just constantly connected. And Lee Wood is a hard puncher too. You know, and Maurizio Lara did look like he was very frustrated and he looked like some of those punches were hurting him. Um, but then, you know, Maurizio Lara has the haymaker from hell and he just lampooned Lee Wood with that 
beautiful left hook in the seventh round and it was one of those where as soon as you he hit him and as soon as you saw Lee would go down I was like the fight's done it's done he's ah, finished it was like, mate, it was you can't like, you can't recover from that and no, even it, Lee Wood can't recover from that you, when you go down that hard it was like you looked at him it was like a sapling falling out of the nest you know what I mean just landing on that on the floor so hard and you know then you know when that happens to a sapling it don't ever get up mate I wish I could come up with great sayings like that sapling falling out of the nest you're such a legend Joel what a man Thanks. what a guy <laughs> to be a man of myth and a legend you've got to come yeah, up with gold come like that mate do you know what I mean you, you come up with a little bit of this today and I'll introduce I'm you not, next yeah, week no, Joe, I need to yeah. keep reading the dictionary right. right let's go back to should the... we go to Lara's start yes yeah, yeah? So yeah. I think that's a good place to start yeah, on it exactly. right? so Lara came out because it Lara came out strong in this fight, he did, didn't he? Yeah. So he's come out first couple of rounds. It actually looked like to me he was looking for like a first or second round knockout. I think the, it was maybe the second round, was it? Second round, he had Lee Wood in a fair bit of trouble. Yeah. He, you know, I think Lee Wood was hurt and was sort of in, I just need to sort of retreat, be on, you know, in survival mode, make it out. But then that's what made what came after that exactly. so compelling because yeah. I wasn't expecting Lee Wood then to sort of bite down on his gum shield and just completely outbox the fella. Well, that's why I thought it was important to be mentioned because otherwise I would forget about it. Yeah. That Lee would actually have to make a little bit of a comeback mm. in order to do what he did and he imposed himself so well in the fight. He did it quite simply, didn't he? I mean, yeah. he was just throwing a good solid jab, straight punches down the middle and Lara was struggling. I I think you you know he's probably using his height advantage. So yeah. I think he did have a, he's a, he has a couple of um, inches on on Lara, but yeah. And then obviously you, we we have to finish. I mean it's not we don't need to talk about the actual punch itself too much. But what we do need to talk about because this became a bit of a hot topic on social media. Let's start off with this question first. Then was the uh, corner stoppage correct? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was an, a brilliant stoppage by Ben Davison. It's yeah. a good compassionate stoppage where he is looking out for his fighter and he's trying to save him for another day. Yeah, and we should give some of our listeners context in case they haven't seen the fight. Lee would beat the count, got up. I mean, his legs were completely gone. He looked like he, he was in another planet. On another yeah, can planet. I just add a slot, a team yeah, bit yeah. more context before that as well. Lee Wood, by this point, and it is important, mm. was com- in complete control of the fight. Yes, He exactly. was cruising to victory, pretty much. Not cruising because he's having to work hard, but he was going to win that fight. He was, yeah. Um, and, the, and the other context, of course, is that albeit, although he did beat the count on, on awful, unsteady, I mean, I, I agree with you. It was a great stoppage. There were only six seconds of the round left. And I think what people have been trying to say on social media is, look, we know what Lee Wood is capable of. He can come back from the brink. He did that against Michael Conlon. Which was also a very heavy knockdown. It was a heavy knockdown, but it was the first round. And actually, it wasn't as heavy as this one. I'm sorry. It definitely wasn't. It was heavy, but nowhere near as heavy as this one. Um, Yeah, I, I think... That in those six seconds, Maurizio Lara, in my opinion, if the if Ben Davidson had not stopped the fight, yep. Maurizio Lara would have badly hurt Lee Wood, yep. and I think it would be one of those where you're you're wincing at the what could you know happen could be a tragic you know tragic moment in boxing. Brilliant stoppage by Ben Davison. I have to say though, what was the ref thinking not stopping that fight? Because when Lee Wood got up, he was all over the place. Well, there is no way the the ref would have let that fight go on if Mauricio Lara was the one who just got up from a knockdown like that. He's yeah. stopping it immediately. He's probably not even counting. Yeah. Right? No. Um, so, 
Yeah, that, that was a terrible bit of refereeing. I've got to say, so as you say, said like before, though, top marks to um, Ben Davison. Um, we, and when I say we, I mean you, are very quick to criticise the guy. Yes. Um, and a lot of the time, quite frankly, let's be honest, he he, he, he makes it easy. You yeah. know what I mean? He makes it easy for us. But so, you know, if we're turning around and we're um, saying this, we, we really do mean it. it. It was brilliant and he should be proud of himself for that. And, and Lee Wood should go home and, and possibly even even more Leewood's wife should go home and and really thank Ben Davison for that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing as well is that um, I think this could be a turning point in my relationship with Ben Davison. I think we're going to be the best of buddies from now <laughs> But no, listen, what a stoppage. And he got it absolutely spot on. I actually, there's an interesting stat. Apparently, that's the first fight that Ben Davison's lost since 2017 as the head coach of a fighter. You're joking. I, I know. Can you believe it? No, it's incredible. Although, oh, he should have lost the uh, Josh Taylor, Jack Catterall one, obviously. Yeah. But apparently, because I heard it on one of the one of the random boxing podcasts I was listening to, that yeah, amazing. Well, maybe he's not a bad trainer. Yeah, he probably is. These. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't give the best interviews, but he's a damn good trainer. No, he is. Um, Right, so let's talk about the aftermath. Now, there were some ugly scenes afterwards because pretty much uh, uh, as soon as the fight was, uh, you know, stopped, corner stoppage, Maurizio Lara was seen trying to, well, making his way out of the ring to confront Joss Warrington. (laughs) They've got history. They've obviously fought twice. Lara absolutely battered him in the first fight. Second fight was... uh, what was it? An, uh, it was a no contest. No contest. Draw. It might have been technical draw. Because of a, like yeah. a, a gash, I think, Lara yeah. sustained in the second well, round. All, all I know about that is that Paddy Power refunded all, all bets on that fight. Yes, Paddy so Power it was one of them did. results. Yeah. <laughs> Not all betting websites do that, Joel. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, mate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think they were the ones who refunded the Taylor Catchell one, but obviously right, I bet okay. on Bet365. I think they normally uh, go for a good, bit of good publicity. They should, yeah, because yeah, no, I remember good. even back in the blooming 90s, didn't they refund bets on when, because no, they paid out on United winning the title in 98, didn't they? That was Paddy Power, wasn't it? Was that when they were like when 10 like, points ahead of yeah, us? Yeah, and they've just done it. It's like a publicity stunt. They, and then we came back and won the league. The league yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, God, yeah, they would have one. saved themselves a fortune. Yeah. Anyway, so what happened was Mauricio Lara comes out of the ring, confronts Josh Warrington, oh. starts, I mean, they're having a verbal okay. tirade, but he spits on him. I've seen the video. He yeah. definitely spits on him, which is did, disgusting. And did you see that spit landed on him like a flipping bit of chicken shit on your shoulder, mate. Oh, was it on his shoulder it landed? Yeah, it just, as soon as I just saw I mean. the gob, I was like, I'm not, I'm not watching. Um, so, yeah, I have to say, you know, congratulations to Lee Wood and uh, Maurizio Lara for putting on an absolutely fantastic fight. But Maurizio Lara's got, I said this mess in a minute, he's got a bit of the Edwin Valero about him. He's not the full quid, I don't think. No, nope, And he looks not. like someone who's not the full quid as well. No, and like Edwin Valero, he's got this thing where he's, uh, he's sort of most dangerous when tired and hurt, just like Valero was, man. When he was hurt, it was like, all right, you're waking the monster here. And that's what Maurizio Lara's got. So he really does mirror the guy a lot. But I loved it. Did you see the interview afterwards when... Lara was asked, did you really spit at Lee Wood? And he just went, yeah, of course I did. (laughs) What honesty. Amazing. Terrible, terrible stuff. Um, Right, so we know there's two ways this could go, right? 
and Eddie Hearn confirmed it. We know that Leeward's got the rematch clause, but he did say if he doesn't want to exercise the rematch clause, then the plan is to set up uh, Lara Warrington free, which seems like they were trying to do that anyway, straight off the bat. And then the winner of that one will take on Leeward after. I was actually, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I'll ask you what you think, and then I'll tell you what I think. But who do you, do, do you give Leeward a, sh- uh, a good chance of winning in a rematch if they fight again? I do. I would favour Lara. As I did this time, in the way I mean, it's, it's the same. I think that you know what we said last week. I think what we both said was that we expected Leewood to have really good spells in the fight, but that Lara would be too young and too fresh and could come back once or twice more than Lee Wood would be able to do. Yeah, and that's what played out in the ring. Mm. But between that, Lee Wood has shown. But what we said also is that we don't think that this is like an easy fight for Lara or anything like that. We thought this no, was a really no, close fight going fight, in. Yeah. So, mate, I, I think it's basically the same. The problem is for Wood here is that we do not know how he's going to react to being knocked out like that. So at 34 years of age, this could affect him really badly. Yeah. But Lara could get stuck in bad habits here. Mm. He's been tiring more and more in fights lately. And then he's been getting out of it with his equaliser. Mm. Now, there's a problem there. He's not training. He's not eating. Right. Whatever it is, there's something not right there. Yeah. So I do think that... Lara would win, but I don't think that it is a yes, he's guaranteed to win. What do you think, Joe? So, so hang on, let, let's just assume, before I tell you what I think, let's assume that Leeward's healthy, fine, blah, blah, blah. Do you think he, sh- he, think you sh- he, you think he should exercise the rematch clause then? Well, where else does he go? Yeah, why not? Okay, so my view on it is that I think he should exercise the rematch clause because I just think, you know, why wouldn't you? But I just don't see him beating Lara. I cannot. If Leeward was excellent in this fight, and he got knocked spark out badly. Yeah. I cannot see him performing better. I genuinely cannot. And Lara will always know if they fight, no matter how poorly he's performing or how how you know how badly he's being outboxed, he's just gonna sp- he's gonna catch up with him eventually. Yeah, but if you're not living the life outside of the ring, yeah, eventually your chickens come, your chickens will come home to roost. Mate. Another great one there, Joel. Well done. But is it, I don't know if it is an issue to do with him not living the life. I just think he's been struggling to make the weight now for quite a few fights, quite badly. It's leave, it, you can tell he's, he's very gaunt at the weigh-ins he's, and, 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 you can, and you hear it as well. Like there are massive struggles for him making the weight. Well, that's fine then. But then the same goes, I mean, it's only going to be harder for him to make weight next time out. Yes, I, I mean, I, I, I can sort of understand that, but I just, you know, once you have that psychological advantage of absolutely, you know, completely sending your opponent, yeah. I just think, so I do think he should take it, but will it change the outcome of a second fight? I think not, no, I'm sadly. Um, actually, I was thinking, and I think I said it to you as well, I, as much as I'd like, I think he should take Sorry, as much as I think he should take the um, the rematch clause, the fight that I really want to see now is Maurizio Lara against Michael Conlon. So I think Warrington and Wood have had their chance. Let let someone else have a go. And I, and I I think Michael Conlon's such a brilliant boxer. Fantastic performance against Lee Wood in a fight which he could easily have won quite handily. The way I see any of these fighters beating Maurizio Lara is you you've got to take him into the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth rounds, and you've got to be capable of outboxing him. Michael Conlon, I think, is someone who can do that. I could see Lee Wood doing that potentially as well. But again, it's the mental scars of this knockout. Can you really recover from that? Okay, how about this, Michael Conlon? versus Lee Wood for the right to challenge Lara. Well, I wouldn't say no. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, we've been wanting to see that rematch for a year now. I, so. I reckon we should just keep this division with those three fighters and there's no one else can have a fight. Yeah, I'm on. I'm, I'm with you on that joke. No problem. Um, so, yeah. so looking at this then, so Lyra's probably going to have to move up, really, isn't he? Because he is struggling badly. You're right. Yeah. There's been all this talk coming out. So then that's going to stick him in the same division as Joe Cordina, Oscar Valdez, all these guys. I mean, so, you know, it'd be good to see him mix it with with fighters like that. I, I you know, I think he's, um, I think they're 50, 50 fights as yeah. well. And it's where he started his career up there. I mean, he moved down two weight divisions. He moved down from uh, lightweight uh, to featherweight in order to challenge Josh Warrington in the first place. I mean, it was I mean, a big it's weight massive. Um, so again, when you think that's such a disadvantage for a fighter at those weights, and as well. he's and although he's clearly struggling, he's still sparking people uh, out left, right. Centre. I mean, this is why I do think there's something very special about Maurizio Lara, and also something very otherworldly. It's because he's a young chick, mate. He's young. He's a young chick. Yeah. You can do this sort of thing young, but then you pay for it as you get a bit old. So, what is he? Twenty-four years old. Yes. Oh, he wants to wait till it's about thirty, mate. Yeah. (laughs) He ain't going to be doing this at thirty. I mean, you have to say the whole event was an extravaganza. Very good, Josh. Um, Thank you. Both of them put in excellent performances. So well done. Thanks for joining in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So congratulations to both on a serious note. What a fight! And yeah, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll happily watch the rematch. But I think, I mean. There's so many permutations in terms of the fights that could happen. Obviously, you've got the rematch, Wood v. Lara. You could have Wood v. uh, Conlon again. You could have uh, Lara against uh, Warrington. Of the the three fights, that's the fight I least would like to see because I just think Warrington's getting battered if he fights Lara again. As long as there's no headbutts or cuts, then that fight is going one way only. Anyway, yeah, let's see how how this pans out. But yeah... uh, Great weekend and amazing fight. I've, again, really was really, really looking forward to talking about it. Right, so let's start with the news. And we've had a massive news story come out today, which is just incredible, really. So let's cut to the chase. Conor Ben has been cleared of... Well, he's not been cleared of doping as such, but he's essentially been cleared of doping by the WBC, the World Boxing Council, who, as a consequence of their decision, have... Uh, uh, put him back in the WBC rankings. Now, the reason that they've cleared him is because, and you might have got caught wind of this during the pod, is that he's basically in too many eggs. They've bought that excuse, that that which must have been in his 270-odd-page document. Um, yeah, so the, the literal ruling from, I think, their website was that he had a highly elevated consumption of eggs, which was considered a reasonable explanation for his adverse findings. I mean, Joel, what on earth is going on? This is mad. Well, I think the WBC, Connor Ben's team, everyone involved here have just been left with egg on their face, mate. They're ridiculous, <laughs> you know? So I think the they've done exactly what we expected them to do all the way through. They've gone through the WBC. WBC have come out with a ridiculous ruling. Mm. Um, just check out the word in here, Joe. Right? Go I'm for it. I'm going to get it up. The WBC have cleared Conor Ben because, as they state, they have found no conclusive evidence. This is their word in no conclusive evidence that Conor Ben intentionally ingested banned substances. Yep. I didn't realise, Joe, that in drugs testing that the arbiters of the drug tests needed to prove that the 
athlete has intentionally mm. ingested drugs in order for them to be banned. Surely it is on the boxer yeah. to prove that they absolutely didn't yeah. intentionally take the drugs. I mean, this is an absurd situation. But mate. You made the very important point earlier that it's almost as if you have to catch an a-, a boxer or any athlete with like a needle in their hand, you know, in some back alley with some diuretics or whatever. It's but literally, just ridiculous. How, how else can you guarantee yeah. that somebody's been taking drugs unless they admit to it? Yeah. I no, mean, that can't. just means that no drugs test now, according to the WBC, is valid. No, There's just no point in any of it. There's so many questions that come off of, of this. So, what's what's um, what's a highly elevated number of eggs to eat? I think because that's I've the main eaten one. when I've been you know on the weight training before, I've eaten a lot of eggs. <laughs> I might have tested positive for clomiphene, mate. No, seriously, I don't know. Um, uh, well, I've been thinking of. I think a big question, Joe, to ask here as well is. Um, how did Conor Ben's wife find this? I mean, if he's eating like 50 eggs a day, I hope that they were keeping those windows open at night, mate, because you would not want to wake up to that, would you? Yeah, you'd need to keep them open if I'd had two eggs, mate, let alone 50. But yeah, so I mean, that that actually is a legitimate question because, that, again, you, the ruling was that he there was a highly elevated consumption of eggs, which was considered a reasonable explanation for his adverse findings. So, that, surely there's got to be some sort of scientific paper available to boxers now, which says you cannot eat more than twenty or twenty-five, thirty eggs because if you do, you're going to have clomiphen in your system, which will show up on a drugs test. It's just ridiculous. So I think that another question to ask is where is he getting his eggs from? Because I read a while ago that this uh, clomiphene is only used in the worst sort of battery sort of farmed eggs and all mm. of that, you know, these terrible sort of stuff that you know, most people, to be honest, in this country don't really eat anymore, yeah. uh, but especially a multi-millionaire athlete yeah. that will be ordering the, the absolute finest foods. He'll be getting the best organic chicken and beef, whatever he's eating, do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and eggs, he's not buying the cheapest of the cheap 12 eggs for £1.20. He's not doing that. <laughs> Who are you kidding, mate? I no know, one's going to believe this. Absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, let's be let's also be serious. This makes a mockery of boxing. And the, the other thing, I, I think, I mean, it's still unclear where Conor Ben goes from here because he's not licensed to box in the UK. He uh, relinquished his uh, license with the British Boxing Board of Control. He could, uh, uh, in theory, apply to be licensed anywhere else in the world. America, we think, might be tricky. They might, um, well, some of the states in America might be tricky because yeah, so, they might respect yeah. the British boxing border controls. New, New York, Nevada, these guys, you'd expect them to respect the British border controls decisions. And, and, and there's still an investigation ongoing by the British boxing yeah. board. They released a statement, didn't they, earlier to uh, in response to the WBC's finding. But something has just popped into my head here. Conor oh, no. Ben <laughs> has... Um, He's given up his British boxing license, hasn't yeah. he? Yes, yeah. So it could be that by doing that, the US governing bodies like New York, sanctions, you know, states, yeah. um, maybe they don't have to respect. The, oh, if oh, they've got an agreement with the British Boxing Board of Control, yeah. if he's not licensed by the British Boxing Board of Control at this time, maybe that agreement just sort of won't be valid. No, they probably have ju- like jurisdiction to license him if they want, but you, I mean... I mean, in a way, if he gets see, this is where this is where it's just really troublesome for me. If he 
applies for a license in the States or wherever, and let's say he gets it, starts fighting. What if the British Boxing Board of Control's investigation finds that he knowingly took these, you know, mm. you've got a, you're in a situation where the, in the, essentially in the UK, he's been determined to be a drugs cheat, and yet he's still fighting professionally. Now, I just, that doesn't sit easy with me at all. I, I wouldn't want to watch Conor Ben's fights. In fact, I don't really want to watch this. Unless he somehow can prove a million and one percent that he did not take that. No, I mean, even then, it's it, you can't really prove it. He's tainted massively. I mean, he in a way, got, he's done. What is it about this situation, I joke, that has left such a bitter taste in everyone's mouth involved? Because if you think about it, Tyson Fury has come up with similarly ridiculous excuses. Yeah. He then served a ban, mm. a two-year ban, and he was completely forgiven. And at the time, he yeah. didn't admit culpability. He didn't hold his hands up. He tied UCAD in legal rope. Yeah. You know, and he, they were so exposed that they couldn't go through with it in case they it was found in some sort of arbitration that they had acted wrong, that they yeah. shouldn't have banned him. Yeah. And then he was threatening to sue them for more money than they had as an organisation. Yeah. So they had to just let it lie and say, okay, we're not going to ban you from here on out, but we're giving you a backdated two-year ban. He did not get off for that excuse. Mm. UK, as far as UK is concerned, he failed his test. The British public was completely forgiven him. Mm. In fact, they didn't ever really have anything against him for it. Now, if you think of things, I mean, um, Canelo with his beef excuse with the Clembuterol a couple of years back, two or three years back. Well, he's gone on. He's made loads of money. I mean, he served a six-month ban, mm. which is less time than Conor Ben has currently been out the ring for. Yeah, no, no I mean, it, so it, what it's is a good it about point. this? Have you got any ideas on what it was? So for, for me, it's the. It, uh, the fact that the promoters sort of, you know, tried to ensure no one really knew about it and they wanted the show to, to go forward. Just yeah, didn't like stuck. that. It's, yeah. it, you know, you, I don't like, I just don't like the idea of like really important information <laughs> being not available to <laughs> like really important information that we should know about. It's really, you know, important for the public to know this. Um, I don't like the fact that he, Conor Ben seems to be, you know, going out of his way to avoid having to deal with the British Boxing Border Control's um, investigation or any ramifications from that. It's It's almost like he's, you know, like you say the Tyson Fury one. Um, I mean, d d did Tyson Fury, he never threatened to withdraw his licence? He No, but he threatened to basically bankrupt the drug testing agency. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe I mean he did he did threaten I guess he did threaten to do that, but he you know he did get a ban which he served. Connor Ben just seems to be intent on even not getting that. He's like, you can't make yeah. any judgment on me at yeah. all, despite the fact that I've been found to have had a positive drugs test not once but twice. What Connor Ben's done is that since the start of this case, he has acted like a spoiled little Brat. rich kid. Yeah, which he never did or it didn't come across like that before this sort of stressful circumstance i guess he is a sport little rich kid though yeah. when you think about yeah, it because he you know he grew up in you know affluent he went to private school he is probably a sport little rich kid let's be honest um yeah i mean the whole the whole thing is just oh it's, it's horrible i just think i don't and uh, Cole, Cole frampton sent a, a good tweet earlier he said oh um you know 
something along the lines of it's it's not Conor Ben that's the problem here really it's the WBC like what on earth are they thinking they well it's the WBC rocker. and the explanation yes um, <laughs> that Conor's come out with mate it's both but yeah the WBC is a massive problem here because they're also seeing it does highlight the state of boxing in many ways or the sort of um, almost gangster state of the sport. It is a gangster sport. Yeah, it is. Let's face it. And these guys are held up as the number one governing body. Yeah. You know, they're the ones that are meant to be trusted, but no one trusts them. Mm. So they're the best that we've got to look up to when it comes to the governing bodies. It it is a problem. It's shocking. We all don't trust their judgment. We all knew this was coming, Mm. regardless of the evidence. And they've they've proved us right, and it's um. Do, it, do you know stinks. what's what's also interesting is that the WBC also ruled as part of their report that there were no failures in the procedures related to the sample collection and analysis. So basically, the drugs test was absolutely perfectly done. It sounds like they have just <laughs> taken Conor Ben's word for it. Mm. That's that. But I think another question, another question to be asked there, Joe, is have we found any other sports nutritionists that say that they recommend eating whatever it would take egg-wise in order to fail a drug test? So have any other sports nutritionists ever said, oh, you should be on like 30 eggs a day or something? I've never heard it. No, neither have I. You know, we've had um, both of us has spent times in gyms and chatting to people about diets and all of that in our time. And I've I've talked many a time with people about their sports diets. No one has ever, ever told me that they eat an extremely high... (laughs) Well, no, they've never said that they eat an extremely high amount of eggs. Yeah. You know, when people are going, yeah, I'm I'm hammering the protein at the moment, and you just go, well, well, how are you breaking that down? And maybe do a couple of eggs a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but they're not going to want to go too hard because they don't want all the bloody cholesterol that comes with it. They also don't want to piss their missus off, probably. (laughs) I mean, it's shocking. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a fascinating story, though. I mean, the way it's just playing out, it's brilliant. It, it's I a mean, cracker, it's, it? it's like a soap <laughs> opera and it just gets better every... It's like Breaking Bad, <laughs> you know, every week. You're like, oh, what's happening next week? <laughs> when that text came through today, it's like, no, it's not. He hasn't done the eggs thing, has he? Because there was all these rumours. And then as soon as that come out, I mean, the amount of people oh, it's going, brilliant. oh, this is brilliant. Yeah. Everyone's loving this story. So for those who, who don't know, go on to uh, social media and have a check out look at the domino's pizza uk account because they've got have did a brilliant tweet absolutely brilliant which was titled introducing the conor ben special which is a picture of a pizza with a bunch of <laughs> what are they poached eggs or yeah, yeah no of... no boiled aren't they Sorry, boiled yeah, eggs with, boiled. A, with, a, with a load of boiled eggs on it and then i mean what was were, that reply you like that there were so many replies i mean it was, it was brilliant hi domino's can you add some wild boar meat to that yeah. <laughs> And then what was the, I think this was one that we've probably done. Yeah, extraordinary from someone else. Just just brilliant. So just to follow up on this, one last bit to the story is that the British Boxing Board of Control has responded to the WBC statement mm. with their own statement, which yeah. states that unequivocally that they the WBC's findings does not affect yeah. their ongoing investigation with UCAD. Another aspect of that is that Robert Smith confirmed on Talk Sport about a week ago in a quite an interesting interview actually with Simon Jordan. Good old Simon Jordan. The- <laughs> not. <laughs> He's got an even better vocabulary than us that moment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he confirmed Simon Jordan that um, the 
Conor Ben team had not uh, cooperated, cooperated the word you're looking for. with uh, the UCAD and British Boxer Boarding Border Control investigation. See, this is this is the thing that really annoys me. Actually, back going back to your question, you asked me ten minutes ago. It seems to me like Conor Ben just thinks he doesn't have to cooperate with the British Boxing Border Control. That they're that that he is above them. Yeah, exactly. You're like a stain on my shoe. I don't yeah. need to deal with you. Who do you think you are? You're. Uh, let's be honest. You've achieved nothing in boxing. You've achieved nothing. No, Bunch I mean, Ham- you might sell, sell out crowds. You might be yeah. able to draw. Which, to be you- fair, is an achievement, but he's not proved it in the ring yet. We thought he was getting there. Now, looking back, yeah. we obviously was, you know, he was on, he was getting he, help. He improved far too quickly. No, he's a drop. Far too quickly. And it, sorry, was all, it, was, it. it was all um, handpicked opponents looking yeah. back as well. Yeah. Sports broadcasters, BT Sport and Eurosport have merged under the TNT umbrella. Joel, why have you sent me this story? <laughs> because it's going to have big ramifications for the sport, mate. I thought you might have because um, of that. Boxing yeah. hardcores, listen to this, you know. <laughs> so all this was was just to make note that this has happened, really, because we don't know what the ramifications are going to be. Now, Eurosport has been in the boxing business for, of course, since its yeah. uh, incarnation in this country. Yeah. We've had, I mean, I actually sort of grew up watching boxing on Eurosport. Mm. Uh, so from when I was sort of a teenager, I used to watch these awful French, Belgian, Dutch cards of boxing yeah. and, it, and that stuff. So it filled a little purpose in boxing. It was a really good little hardcore like, little yeah, area yeah. for boxing. Um, BT Sport obviously have the deal with Frank Warren and all that. It's just got big ramifications. We don't know what they're going to be yet, but something's different. And we've got a lot going on here. We've got DAZONE has also signalled their intent to bid for the next Premier League rights, which is next year. So they've just put their prices up. They want to go full on sports broadcaster we've got tnt now that are going to get all the Eurosport rights and all of the bt sport rights they're going to be a behemoth in the game we've still got sky sports there yeah it's going to be very expensive to follow boxing yeah or to follow gonna... sport generally yeah right dan aziz will challenge former european light heavyweight champion thomas fora for a the lovely vacant... pronunciation there joe oh thank you <laughs> i try my best <laughs> He will challenge Thomas Fora for the vacant strap on March the 11th as chief support to Tony Yoka. Boo! Against Carlos Takam. Yay! Um, what do we think? I mean, Dan Aziz is probably going to win this fight. He's, he's quality at the minute. Yeah, look, I'm not going to pretend to know much about Thomas Fora. Fura. But Dan Aziz is on such a run now. You just got to expect him to go in there and steamroll him like he does most of his opponents at this level. Do you know what's interesting, actually, because I read this just as an aside, the Tony Yoka Carlos Zakam fight. So that's a joint promotion involving Boxer. Yeah. And Martin Bacoli was meant to be on the undercard of that fight. So this is the Martin Bacoli absolutely battered Tony Yoka. They they didn't want him on it. Really? Yeah, they said, no, you're not on this uh, card. So Who didn't want him on it? Tony Yoka. Tony Yoka's side. Yeah. I mean, so, talk about bitter and twisted. To be fair, I could... I mean, it's I embarrassing you're headlining an event where someone fighting on the undercard is absolutely battered. Yeah, um, to be fair, I think that's Boxer taking the absolute piss there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the move very much. I'm, I'm appreciative of the move there, but if I was Tony Yoker, I'd probably go, you go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be anywhere near that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to our, one of our favourite uh, topics that we do every week, the Kinnan of the Week. That which brings shame on boxing. Now, I mean, we've we've pretty much given everyone a massive clue, but we're going to give it to the WBC. 
for having the temerity, the cojones, to essentially absolve Conor Bem of any blame by his ridiculous excuse that he'd had too many eggs and reinstate him in their rankings. I just, I mean, yeah. I don't know what planet they're living on. Well, I From- think also, Joe, specifically their reframing of all drugs, failed drugs tests in sports now, that it is now, the onus is now on the governing body or the testers to prove that the cheater has done it on purpose and not the other way around, which for the history of drug testing in sport, it's been, the onus has been on the athlete to prove their innocence, not the other way around. Rightly so. And I also think that this might open a massive can of worms that that, that might actually come to bite them on the arse because... Again, no one really knows how this is going to pan out, but I'm just, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. What if you're a fighter who's failed a drugs test a year or two ago and you've been uh, banned from boxing? Yeah. And there will be lower level fighters who've been caught and, and banned, I, I assume. There must be. Could they now sue whatever organisation and say, well, actually, you've had this ruling on this with Conor Ben. So you have to apply the same logic with me. Yeah. And if you don't, that means you're potentially liable for lost earnings in my career. Yeah. I'm just no, thinking, yeah, there's so I many damn things that, that I just don't know whether they've actually thought this through carefully. No, they've completely opened themselves up to all sorts of problems. And it wouldn't be some organisation. It would be mm. specifically the WBC. WBC yeah. Now, the WBC had a situation a few years ago with um, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., Oh, yes, yes, So yes. he failed a drugs test for smoking weed before one of their fights. And, you know, they took away his, his licence to fight, or not his licence, but they did what they did, dropped him from the rankings, all yeah. of this sort of thing yeah. for that. Now smoking a bit of weed, it's not a performance enhancer. No. You know, well, I don't know. I mean, there's arguments about that, to be fair, actually. Might make you feel less pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, right, I'll just quickly, should we go into this really quickly? Because that argument's been used to me before and I thought of an argument to refute it with. Yeah. Right, I thought, well, stress is a huge part of sport. Yes. So if you're... Not stressed out. Yeah, if you're using you're weed to medicate that, then yeah, actually that sort of is you. a performance yeah, enhancer. Yeah, no, I, I would so. agree with that. Yeah, no, that's right. fair enough. Um, but I think, you know, the, the point that you're making, you know, again, goes back to what I said. It's, have they, could they open a you know, can of worms, so to speak. I just, I, don't, I really don't think they've thought this one through. Basically, for whatever, I don't, and I'm not sure why they're so keen to absolve Conor Ben, because yes, if he fought for, you know, any WBC title, they've got, he's got to pay sanction fee, they'll make money, but he's not a big star. He's, he's not at that level yet, where I think, to me, why would they want to, why would they be so keen to absolve him of blame? You'd, be, you'd prefer to absolve someone like Jake Paul, who really does draw massive money. Well, I'll give What's you, going on here? It's match for him, not Conor Ben. Okay, so... Oh, so, so okay, Do you know I, what I mean? I they're doing because yeah. they're being favourable to a match room fighter, I think, as opposed yeah. to a Conor Ben, because they're the biggest, they're the biggest sort of... Uh, Promot- promoters and in boxing game, promoters yeah. in the game. Yeah, no, that's, I guess that's fair enough, but... Um, I guess I guess Matchroom see him as a potential cash cow, but yeah. I mean I don't. I mean, anyway, like I say, just an incredible story, and it just runs, continues to run on and on. Right, let's um, preview our 
big fight this weekend. <laughs> well, it is it. a big fight. It's, it's going to be fight. pretty much the biggest fight of the year, mate. I, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. It's, I wasn't really interested in it up until, you know, this week. And I was like, this is quite an exciting fight. Well, so if you're from abroad and listening to this, this is actually sort of really caught fire in England, this one. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's really a cross- crossover fight. Yeah. So this is Jake Paul against Tommy Fury. Jake Paul, um, the massive social media YouTuber slash Disney star from, from Yonks Ago. Tommy Fury, who is, of course, from the Fighting Fury family, the younger uh, half-brother, I believe, of uh, of Tyson Fury. Now, I'll just start off by saying that the boxing community and some some particularly wise heads, you know, who we respect in the boxing community, really think this is a 50-50 fight. And... I'll, I'll ask you for your analysis, Joel, because you don't think this is a 50-50 fight. No, so what I've done lately is go back and watch Tommy Fury's first six or seven fights to see how he was performing before the subject of Jake Paul ever got brought up. Yeah. Different fighter, mate. Yeah. Really good fundamentals, good skills. He had a bit of spite to him, a little bit of power. Yeah. And he was going out there to finish off opponents and he was doing the right thing. He was coming up against sort of, you know, good seasoned grizzly journeyman yeah. who would pull him a few rounds. Yeah. Stuff that, and he was learning each fight and he was improving from fight to fight. Yeah. He is at the end of that journey is where Jake Paul starts his journey. So yeah. you're talking about someone who's been fighting since about five years old. Okay, only took up the sport. Seriously, at 15. Yeah. But he's been boxing his whole life. 20-odd years he's been fine against someone that's been boxing three or four years. Yeah. Uh, this isn't a difficult one to see how this is going to go. Yeah. This is my analysis on it in general in terms of the media reaction yeah. and people in boxing yeah. who are sort of saying it's 50-50 or even saying that Tommy Fury is the underdog in this fight. My response to that is that there's been some sort of collective insanity that has gone in in boxing because you only have to look at these two guys in the ring for about 30 seconds. 30 seconds. And you realise it's not a slight difference. They're not two novices. People keep going, oh, they're two novices and they're up against each other, isn't it? No. You've got one who is, shall we call a seasoned novice. Mm. The guy's a bloody traveller, fighting in his blood. He's been fighting since he was very small. He's the brother of the heavyweight, cha- undisputed heavyweight champions of the world. One of the best ever heavyweight champion this is who he spars yeah yeah and you're going up against a youtuber yeah who all right you know what i'm going to give him a hell of a lot of credit what he's done in three years or two years three Mm. years is quite remarkable for anyone yeah the impact he's had on sport you've got to respect the grind you've got to respect the fact that he's gone out there and he has trained like a boxer i'm not saying he hasn't he's he is separate from the rest of the youtube boxing fraternity yeah he is different and he's better yeah i'm going to give him that he trains like a professional Mm. but it doesn't matter if you've picked up the sport two three years ago and you train as a pro you cannot compete with these guys this is going to be such a difference in levels mate it's going to be apparent after about a minute yeah. that Jake Paul doesn't belong in there he's going to be embarrassed he's yeah. going to look absolutely ridiculous and the only way he comes out of this fight with credit is if he takes his beating like a man yeah listen I, I agree with you uh, from, of what I've watched of Jake Paul I mean he has improved since the you know ty- I guess the first Tyron Woodley fight I thought he was awful in that I mean but but he hasn't improved enough for me to go, yeah, you can compete with a, like you say, um, a seasoned novice who, who is a professional fighter. 
maybe who hasn't taken the sport seriously over the, you know, because he's think, a reality but, star. Yeah. But I don't think he needs to have taken the sport seriously over the last two years to be Jake Paul. But it's this like- is the craziness, Joe. Sorry to spot in quickly. This is one of the crazy arguments I keep hearing from really respected boxing people. The argument goes, yeah, but Tommy Fury, I don't think he's going to be a, a world champion. So, you know, I don't think he's the best boxer ever. I don't think he's going to be a number one in the division. I don't think he's an elite fighter. I don't think... It- mm. Sorry, why on earth do you need to be any of that to beat Jake Paul? Mm. No, I, I I agree. And and, and like you say, the, 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 the crazy thing about this is that if you go on any betting website Jake Paul's a favourite but that's just going to be the money that's gone on the fight surely that's that's the Jake Paul fans I think when the lines opened on. though they were fairly even yeah but they've done that like based a... on past betting I imagine for the fight it can't be that the bookies are seeing this as a okay so alright so there we well at least they've seen where all the money's the gone week. in the first okay. time round and they've gone well actually we got it wrong the first time Tommy Fury shouldn't have been the favourite should have been like more or less dead even or and now all the money's gone in on Jake Paul or if they know the fix is in. There has been fights in the past where the lines have opened in such a ridiculous place mm. that... Um, you know the fix is well, in. Well, they knew that the, the bookies obviously knew that the fix was in. So I'll give you an example here. And, okay, so as Exhibit A, I bring to you uh, Jonathan Banks versus Seth Mitchell. Yeah. So in their first fight... Jonathan Banks won it by a second round knockout. Yeah. He absolutely annihilated Seth Mitchell. Seth Mitchell was a former American football player. Right. And he was sort of this, you know, hyped, but we knew he wasn't real. Went in there with a real boxer, got absolutely battered, annihilated in two rounds. Then they signed for a rematch that was only happening seven months later. And Seth Mitchell opened up as sort of an overwhelming favourite for the fight. Yep, and let me guess, he won the fight. And he won the fight. And in that fight, in fact, it was in the first or second round that Jonathan Banks absolutely annihilated the fella. I mean, he battered him. He had him just going from one end of the ring to the other. But he didn't quite finish it off, and it was a really strange one to watch. And then he virtually didn't throw a punch for the rest of the fight. Really? I think he was making a point there. I could win this if I want to. Yeah. And then he's gone, all right, well, prove my point. I've taken the money, whatever, or you've intimidated me enough or whatever the fuck's happened. Was it ever happened. conclusively proved that that fight was fixed, though? No, it wasn't. But it was obvious. It was just so obvious. And the betting line's opening like that. You just know that something's up. Yeah. And then after that first, the second round, where he's done that to him and then just gone, all right, and then he's just not thrown up. He then claimed afterwards, get this, that he'd broken both his hands and so was unable to throw another punch. <laughs> he, di- he didn't show the x-rays. Gosh. <laughs> We've we've also had a f- we've had plenty of conversations about whether we think the fix is going to be in because we just can't understand how people think this is going to be close or why the bookies do. But we've also when we've analysed it, we've we've said there's surely no way that the f- a Fury fighter is going to throw this fight. Yeah, it's too. They've They're surely too proud. too proud. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's true actually in a way. I don't see how Tommy Fury's credibility in life mm. recovers if he gets beaten. No, I completely agree with you. How do you come back from that? No, you don't. You can't. I don't think in this sport, you can't. From a traveller family as well. No. I mean, he's going to... Let's be honest. He is... He, assuming the fix isn't in, they are going to be expecting him to absolutely concussively destroy this fella. Mm. I mean, absolutely. So... 
Because there's levels in this game. I can't understand, again, where, where this um, line of thought is going, where people actually think Jake Paul has even a, not just a, well, a slim chance, but a good chance. I tell you what, I would um, drink your bottled water with you. I wouldn't buy any local eggs or anything like that. Yes. Do you see my point here? He's yeah. got to really worry about all of that, that he gets something dropped in his, you know, which which limits his performance. You've got to be really careful as an away fighter against stars like stars this. Stars like that, yeah. That you could batter. Yeah. But then I also think he's got, you know, the, the Fury family or the right family to have to protect you against those shenanigans. Because they would, they, if they thought that there was something untoward going on, they'll cancel that fight, even if it's literally on the on the ring walk. I'm so exhibit, yeah, exhibit B then for that would be um, Tyson's title-winning effort against yeah. uh, Vladimir Klitschko, exactly where they were trying all sorts and they didn't get anything past the Furies that night. And they just said, all right, we won't fight. Yeah. If, you do, if you don't take that sponge out of the ring, that cushion in, we won't fight. You yeah. Can. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. So again... So they've got balls in them situations, is what you're saying. They're not going to be cowed by anyone. They're not going to be this, that. They're just, mm. they're fighting men and they take it seriously and they take their name, the Fury yeah. name, seriously. And and you also brought it up, although I don't think you mentioned it quite di- directly, but you think that maybe the Furies have really played Jake Paul here. Like, I mean, really played him. Yeah, so I think that if you... I had to go back and watch those first six fights that I mentioned earlier just to solidify my thoughts here. Have I imagined this? No, Tommy Fury is a completely different fighter before Jake Paul ever came into the boxing game. Yeah. As soon as his name was mentioned, his level has dropped hugely. Yeah. I think that they've played Jake Paul like a fiddler, mate. Yeah. I think that he knew that if he was performing as he was, there's no way Jake Paul's taking that fight. Yeah. Absolutely no way. Yeah. The only way to do it is to make Jake Paul think he's on his level. Yeah. And then, bosh, here we got a fight. And then as soon as that's done, all right, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm back in a nine-week training camp and I'm dealing with this. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's such an interesting fight to predict. But So, I just want to say this. For anyone who's interested in betting... <laughs> Have a look at the odds for a Tommy Fury knockout in like rounds one, two or three, because they're really high, like 29 to 1, 30 to 1, 31 to 1. It's, uh, you know, it's something that I think is really, really possible. If he just goes in there and, and he says, I've got no respect for you, you're getting yeah. battered. I think he's going to batter him. I, I think, think he's going to destroy him. It could be over almost as soon as it starts. As soon as he lands a, a, punch, lands a clean. punch, clean yeah. punch, which would be quickly. I mean, Jake Paul's not really got a defence. No. Other than his distance, he just tries to blimmin use his feet, just keep away from no, him. No, I mean, I, I would say one, I mean, he, he, he did seem rather good at be you know running away running. on the back foot yeah but he can't you know he can't, <laughs> can't block do a that plunge for... he can't parry a punch or any all this stuff that just takes a little bit of yeah you know uh, experience yeah you know yeah. he can't do it it's, it's any sport mate any business anything anything you need experience to get good yes no absolutely right let's move on to our final section for this week's pod which is the magazine lottery and joel you pulled out a magazine last week which one did you pull out? i did so i pulled out boxing monthly from february 2010 um, and it had floyd mayweather and manny pacquiao on the front cover and it was discussing their potential upcoming fight and I've got to admit, there was a story that I wanted to do in here that I didn't end up doing because I didn't get time today in the end. Uh, Shocking. To... <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like to discuss with you. Yes. Um, yeah, it's Glyn Leach. Uh, the um, dearly departed Glyn Leach is... Um, 
column on the Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather fight. Now he did he had an interesting take. So I'll just read you the byline. The damage done is the headline and the byline is if you throw muck at a clean wall, some of it sticks. Pacquiao will discover this in the aftermath of Mayweather's demands for random drug testing. So yeah. I thought this was sort of on point. It's on, on point this week about the drug testing. Yeah. When Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather were negotiating for a fight back in 2010, um, Floyd Mayweather insisted on having certain drug testing protocol in, mm. face that he, in place. He was calling it Olympic-style drug testing. It was using a company called USADA, mm. which were the sort of, are, the, are the big drug testing agency in the world. He had very specific demands on what he wanted. He knew that Manny Pacquiao wasn't going to agree to it because drug testing in this way wasn't commonplace at the time. It had never been demanded in a big fight like this. He would, he would throw something in mm. to muddy the waters, ruin Pacquiao's image mm. and do it. And the thing is, it wasn't very fair on Pacquiao at the time, but you look back at it now, he should have been doing proper drugs testing for that fight. Mm. Um, but you also look on it back on it now and you say, well, Glenn Leach is absolutely, this was 13 years ago, he's talking about this. Mm. He was absolutely bang on right. It didn't take a failed drugs test even with Manny Pacquiao. It didn't take anything like that. It just needed an accusation by a rival of his. Mm. And it has stuck. And people really, I would say, probably are for boxing fans think that Manny Pacquiao was probably uh, cheating during that time period. And it is a shame, mm. you know, that he's thought of like this. Do you think he was cheating? I think, yeah, I think it's highly likely that he was. I think that it's highly likely he did improve massively that, as well, didn't he? I there's mean, a couple of arguments here, and I'll give you to, to refute that one, yeah. right, that I was using at the time. Yeah. Right. So um, my first argument there would be he did go up in weight massively as a fighter, but he also turned professional at a really young age. We've got to remember Manny Pacquiao is from a completely impoverished background. Yeah. So he wasn't eating as a child. Yeah. I mean, really barely. And he wasn't, his poverty wasn't sort of um, British relative poverty. This is real third world poverty stuff mm. that was Manny Pacquiao's background so if he then all of a sudden is eating a sportsman's diet mm. from 18 years of old age well yeah between the age of 18 and 30 he's gonna move he's gonna you know fill out hugely yeah so it does make sense to be honest in yeah, that way no, that he moved enough. up the weights like he did so like but you know, my belief is that in boxing, probably 75% of, of elite level boxers have been doping over the last 20, 30 years. So, yes, it'll just go with it. I think more than likely he was. I think more than likely Floyd Mayweather was, you know. It's mm. things we can't prove, we're saying, but when I look at the evidence at the time, um, Floyd Mayweather, he, he, you know, he was caught, for instance, with a needle in his arm. Oh, really? I don't know this story. Floyd Mayweather was caught in the lead-up to, I think it was the Robert Guerrero fight. Yeah. He got visited by USADA. They yeah. turned up at his house unannounced. He was literally there taking IVs, which is illegal. Oh, wow. And they and just he... let him off. Yeah, he just said, oh, I was just rehydrated. It was vitamins. He said, oh, I was just vitamins. Not that he passed them over. Not that he took it out of his arm and handed it over. Yes. He said, oh, I was just vitamins. Yeah. But it wow. doesn't matter if it's illegal yeah. because um, flushing vitamins, diuretics, all of this into your system, any IVs, it can flush out drugs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So that's important. That's interesting. So I think, mate, I think they bloody all were. Yeah. But why yeah. is only him getting... You know, he's got it. No one says this about Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather's the one that's caught with a bloody needle in his arm. Yeah, yeah, no, interesting. Um, I think, you know, yeah, you, you really, you have to basically assume, though, surely, that they're they're clean unless they get caught. Yeah, of course. 
Of course. You know, you've got to be innocent this is why I do think you've got to be really harsh on Conor Ben. But and I know you, the point you made about other fighters who've tested and we seem yeah. to overlook it. But, you know, I mean, I mean maybe at the time uh, we didn't overlook it then. We were like, well, you've been caught. You need to get banned. So my opinion on this is that the sporting world have reacted correctly in yes. this situation. Yes, yeah. This is how it should be. It should be zero bloody tolerance yeah. to no, use in performance so. in sport, but in particular boxing. Yeah. It should be zero tolerance and we should make it socially unacceptable to do it, which I don't think it has been until now. For some reason, something's changed. I don't know whether it's society or I don't know what it is. Something has changed. Mm. Where all of a sudden people have gone, no, this ain't on. Mm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, I can't quite put my finger on it, but something's changed. It was different. Back then in the time period we were talking about, people kind of going, drug testing? You can't expect... Manny Packer was going, I don't like uh, needles. And people going, well, that's fair enough. He doesn't like needles. Why should he be taking, <laughs> be taking drugs? <laughs> One of the hardest men on planet Earth how doesn't fair, like needles, but how, he doesn't mind getting punched in the face repeatedly. But how oh, times have changed in it in 13 years since? You can get away it? with that stuff now. It's right. brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Yeah. You did the piece on the Sobel Centre's very own Larry Oliver Wumbo. Yes, and he said in an interview very clearly, he just thought that, you know, all fighters should just be allowed to just drugs cheat as much as they want because it's sad actually. Because if you think about it, and we had it with um, when the Conor Ben story came out, the the guy was it the nutritionist or the fellow who was helping Conor Ben or had worked with Conor Ben basically. Oh, was it there the doctor? That, the, there was that old interview with him, which that was the he, doctor where yeah. he said, "Listen, they're all at it. Let's be yeah. honest, they're all at it." Um, how would you feel about boxing if it was conclusively proved that all of these fighters were out? Would you feel comfortable watching boxing? Knowing everyone who... But essentially, all the top fighters are cheats. That's a really profound question, Joe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I haven't got an answer there because it's made I mean, me... Like, genuinely, I've actually have found that quite profound because I... Because... You the, know my opinion. I've just stated my yeah. opinion on it. And yet, if it was actually confirmed in black and white in front mm. of me, would I have to change my opinion on the sport? No, probably not. I, I love boxing. Yeah, mate. no, I mean... Do I, you know, I, I really do. Yeah. I think that I've just taken... Um, you know how like you can tell we're mates, yeah? Yeah. So I take my friends and my mates despite their flaws. Yes, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I know I've got <laughs> quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so... That the same guys with boxing. I take my sports with all yeah, their flaws, the flaws, mate. And you yeah. know what? I fucking love their flaws. Yeah, I love yeah. the fact that this is a jungle and it's gangsters, and we come on in every week. And we, you would, I mean, the subjects we've covered today, you wouldn't come close to it following football and some football podcast, mate. Nah, definitely not. No. Right, Joel, can you pass me the stash of magazines, please? I certainly can. <laughs> right, I have got an edition of the Ring Extra which is a 25-page special from June 2007, which I believe it's got Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather on the front cover. So this must have been in the lead-up to their long-awaited mega fight. It was a bit of a damp squib, if I remember. Well, no, it was, I mean, it was an interesting fight, but wasn't the, you know, the, the humdinger I think we were all hoping for. But yes, I will, I'll have a look through this and say, well, we've got... Um, oh, that's a cool one, isn't it, on the back there? Arturo Gatti. Arturo Gatti, yeah, no, and he looks really young and he's got a massive head full of hair there as well. 
Do, and he wasn't young there, but he does look good, didn't he? Yeah, he does, He yeah. does look really young. He looks wow. good. <laughs> okay, so I shall uh, do a piece on this one next week. Right, this has been an action-packed episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Joel, do you have any last words? I love you all. I'm not, I'm not going to make another pun. I love you all. And on that note, goodbye. <laughs>